maybe that came from this the scarcity of the resources that we have had up here and if you want to have a better life maybe you just have to go out and look for it Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, where we're practicing physical distancing, but social connectivity. In times of the pandemic, we want to stay connected, even if we're not right next to each other. And today is definitely the case, as I'm talking with a gentleman from across the ocean, Sweden. I'm speaking with Stefan Bergsten from Stockholm, Sweden. Welcome, Stefan. Thank you, Bas. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, Sweden is just going crazy with FKTs. We got connected because you were sending me all these messages saying, this is happening, that's happening. You were very, very excited, very knowledgeable. And Sweden has 49 FKT routes, which is quite a bit. And this is in a country of only 10 million people, which is like the size of metropolitan Chicago over here. So 10 million people seem to be really getting outside a lot. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, uh, there has been uh, kind of an explosion since 2014 in uh, ultra trail running. Uh, a, an explosion in uh, races that has been arranged. And uh, I mean, during this year uh, of corona pandemic, uh, a lot of the races have been cancelled. So what can people do? FKT is a uh, wonderful concept. And I think uh, people really has been uh, embracing that. And uh, they are doing it. (laughs) They're really doing it. (laughs) Yeah. I I have never been to Sweden. um, But what an amazing situation you have there. A population just about the same size as Metro Chicago, but in a country that's, you know, close to Texas. I mean, a little smaller than Texas. So you've got a lot of space there. And you're doing, like you said, the ultra races since 2014 have gotten big. And now with everything canceled, now you're doing FKTs. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that is very fortunate uh, for for this kind of uh, events and uh, the lifestyle is that most of our country is uh, open nature. A lot of the population is concentrated around a couple of big cities, you can say, but uh, most of it is open, open nature and... uh, because of something we have uh, that is called Allemansrätten, gives uh, everyone unrestricted access to uh, to nature. Ah, that's a good point. You personally are in Stockholm, the, by far the biggest city. But th- what the term you just mentioned, which I can't pronounce, I think what that means is it's a different sense of private property. Here in the United States, we're extremely uptight about private property. And people get uh, very defensive about it. But in other countries, particularly in Europe, as long as you don't disturb anything, you can just ramble. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't know exactly, but I think it's kind of a 24-hour rule. And uh, as long as you are not really making any disturbances, you can just pass through or uh, you can even put up uh, an overnight camp, a small tent in a remote part of, uh, of someone's property. Wow, that's very different than the United States. Yeah, maybe you should try that. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to try that. Now, I'm looking on these list of routes. I can't pronounce any of them. I'm looking on the website, and you know the you have a big one here. I think this must be a classic route. It's up London, Sledden, Kinvista, Longall. 248 kilometers, but wow, you you have a lot of long, most of these are long routes. You don't tend to do the uh, little short hill ascents, the short fast ones. You're doing the long ones. I think, uh, I mean, first to say there is a lot of trails in Sweden, uh, and a lot of them are really long. But there is also a great number of just uh, shorter uh, trails, shorter routes that can be uh, up to 30, 40 kilometers. But I think uh, what FKT has kind of taken the meaning for most people who are doing it in Sweden now, it's, it should be regarded as an ultra-distance record or uh, challenge or something like that. So I think most of the people are trying to do at least ultra distance. And uh, I mean, of course, the longer challenge you take on, and if you're successful, it will be harder to beat. Of course. Right, right. That's interesting. That appears to be what uh, has happened. Because again, looking at this, uh, these are these tend to be the ultra distances. What do you, can you call out a couple routes or a couple of FKTs that you think are memorable that someone in the United States or elsewhere in the world who's listening to this should know about? Yeah, I mean, we have, uh, of course, in our uh, highlands uh, up north in Sweden, we have a beautiful long trail called Kungsleden uh, in in a bad translation you can call it the King's Trail and that is quite a long one and it's it's very beautiful uh, the scenery is fantastic and you also have great variation in terms of uh, uh, the the environment that you you're passing through and we have uh, a couple of FKTs that has been uh, achieved during the last couple of years. Last year, uh, a male called Max Quillin uh, broke uh, a record that was previously held by... Uh, Sondre. Uh, by, uh, Sondre yeah, Anda. On, on, on the on the male side, that's correct. But on our uh, uh, the record was held by uh, Emily Forsberg, right? 
that right. is she is one of uh, maybe our most famous women in uh, in this uh, con context so to say right emily i believe won an award fastest time of the year award for this and we did think of that as being called king's trail i like it you said it's a bad translation but doesn't matter we'll go with that yeah <laughs> now so emily obviously is the wife of the best ultra runner the best mountain runner of his generation killian Jeanette. but they moved to norway what happened there yeah, they moved to Norway, and uh, I mean, I can't blame them because if you know how the scenery looks like in uh, in Norway, they are mountain runners, and uh, that's exactly what Norway is all about. Ah, they so have Sweden a, has Sweden has the longer rolling trails, while Norway has the steeper mountains. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I mean, we, we have a mountain in Sweden also, Kebnekaise, uh, where actually there was a new FKT broken just a couple of days ago uh, on Kebnekaise. But uh, I mean, compared to Norway, it's a totally different scenery. So uh, they love to be in the mountains. So I totally understand that they chose Norway. Oh, well, <laughs> it's okay. They're close. They're still close. Um, any other FKTs or routes that stand out? Oh, wait, here's something, Stefan. So Sweden really likes these swimming routes, don't they? They like, you've done that, where you swim from island to island and then run across the island. This is kind of unique to Sweden. Yeah, I think uh, the concept of uh, swim run uh, was invented uh, by a couple of uh, Swedish guys who were uh, discussing it over dinner, if, if it was possible to do something like that. And uh, they more or less just put a bet on the table and challenged each other. And it grew from there, which is amazing. Right. But uh, there is a tournament, uh, there is a competition or a race called Ö which is uh, around 75 kilometers. But the FKT trial that I did 2018 is uh, somewhere around 250 kilometers. Now, this involves swimming. Yes, it's swimming and running. So it's, you can call it, it's a kind of an island hopping exercise. <laughs> so you swim to an island, you run across the island, and then you swim to the next island. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the FKT that I was trying to challenge, it, uh, you can say it, uh, it's defined between uh, A and B, and then you can choose whatever route you want. Ah, oh, that's so great. You, so you just have to uh, become the fastest one. Right. You take whatever route. So you could swim a little longer for, for a shorter course or run more for a longer course. So it's somewhat yeah. strategic. 
Exactly. There, there is no actual course that you're trying to follow. It's more like you go from A to B and you just have to be as fast as possible. So when you're swimming, what do you do with your shoes? Do you put them in a dry bag and tow them and then put them back on? Or how does this work? No, I mean, you, you, you're still wearing your shoes when you swim. And, uh, oh. of course, you need to choose uh, shoes that uh, don't take on a lot of water because then you add some extra weight, of course. But, uh, yeah, you hardly use your legs when you're swimming so long anyway. So uh, it's just wow. practical to keep your shoes on. <laughs> gotcha. Interesting. So this means that you're wet the entire time. But wait, you said 250 kilometers, didn't you? Yeah. But that means you're camping, right? Or you're going non, you can't go nonstop for 250 no, kilometers. No, we, no, we, uh, we took it, uh, we planned for, uh, six days, I think. So we divided it up in six days so the plan was to run around 40 kilometers a day and uh, swim whatever distance was necessary and then to uh, to rest for at least 20 hours so you can sleep and you can be re-energized it's a stage race yeah, you can call it like that. I mean, it's it's up to you. When it's the FKT challenge, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but I mean, uh, b being in the water and being tired, maybe after 30, 40 hours without sleep, is not something that I would recommend. <laughs> well, it's not something that I would want to do. Because my next question <laughs> is, what is the temperature of that water? I mean, we were, you can say we were both fortunate and unfortunate during that year because it was the hottest summer uh, in 250 years in Sweden. So the water was nice, of course, but uh, when you came up on uh, on the shore and you were starting to run, 32, 33 degrees Celsius and a blue sky really, yeah, you could really feel that just after four or five hours or something like that. So right. imagine how it felt after a couple of days. Right. Well, for <clears throat> stateside people, that means 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So what was the water temperature? Give me a number. Somehow I think Sweden, Sweden's far north. It's the ocean. I would think it'd be fairly cold. I don't know exactly what kind of temperature we experience since, uh, I mean, you are close to the ocean. So there is a lot of cold water coming into the archipelago. Uh, so the temperature is, uh, can vary a lot, but it's not, mm -hmm. it, it, it would, during that time, it was never cold, and gotcha. you're wearing and you're wearing a wetsuit. Oh, you're wearing a wetsuit. Yes, gotcha. I mean you have okay. you have to do that because uh, even if it's uh, twenty five degrees, 
when you're going at it for so many hours, you will be cold. So you need this extra layer of uh, insulation to uh, to keep the body temperature. <laughs> I would. And then when you get out of the water, you carry the wetsuit across the island, then put it back on when you get to the ocean again. No, you never take it off. Oh, really? But then if the temperature is 33 degrees, which means 90 Fahrenheit, how can you wear a wetsuit? Uh, it's, I mean, it's short sleeves and short legs. And uh, <coughs> what you do when you are out of the water, you try to take the top of it, so to say, off. So it's just kind of right. So you, you got the, your, your your shorts are still on. You you pull down the top and you sort of tie it around your waist, so to speak. Yeah, and wow. uh, also we we wear a, a small backpack, so uh, that helps to keep everything in place. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I think the Swedes are are fairly tough, is my uh, guess here. Emily's tough, that's for sure. So, and. As an affiliate idea, Sweden, <laughs> boy, I'm kind of wondering about Sweden here a little bit, Stefan. Sweden has picked up the big backyard ultra concept. Uh, what Lazarus Lake, the founder of Barkley Marathons here, where it's that nonstop event. Yeah. Where it's the last person standing, where it's not a, a timed race exactly. It's you have to keep moving. And Sweden just jumped all over this, didn't they? There's like 20 of these big backyard ultra events in Sweden now. Yeah, I think uh, I think in our culture we uh, we like to challenge ourselves when uh, <laughs> give, given the chance. But uh, of course, we also have had uh, uh, a lot of inspiration coming from Johan Stene, who has the the world record of uh, backyard running. Uh, I mean, he, uh, I think it was 68 hours. Right. That's, that, that's uh, a long he, time to keep moving. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, me personally, I think he could have uh, just kept on going. <laughs> but there was no one else running with him, so he stopped. Oh yeah, you, you, there's, after sixty-eight hours, you might as well stop. Well, I appreciate what Laz said about the big backyard. He said, "You, you don't, you're not really running to win, exactly, are you? You're just uh, running until you think no one else can keep going." So it's very mental. It's, it's really a mental challenge. Yeah, I mean, that's what, uh, that's what I really love about uh, Lass. Uh, his, his way of, of trying to challenge people into, I mean, the darkest corner of themselves to bring out everything you have and uh, more than that, that you didn't even know that you had. I think right. he's uh, kind of a master in that way. I think you're right. <laughs> Personally, Barclay has gotten you know, a tremendous amount of publicity, as you know, three different movies made on it. But I think the 
Backyard Ultra is more interesting. I think that's going to be his legacy. I think that event will continue to thrive around the world as it has, particularly in Sweden, <laughs> where the Swedes yeah. appear to like a big challenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have uh, launched the whole concept of the golden ticket, so you can... There is a lot of competition going on around the world uh, throughout the year, and then you have kind of a the finale in uh, in in his uh, his backyard. In his backyard, yeah, or is <laughs> in his dog's backyard. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. And I think you're right. I think there is something in there also that the, the Barclay concept can appeal more to an audience also. It, it's much easier to kind of follow a backyard uh, event than uh, a 100 or 200 mile event. Right. Uh, and also, I think uh, it's, it's kind of a, yeah. It's kind of a, a gladiator feeling about it. Mm. The participants, so, they, they give everything they have. And uh, I think it's a, an amazing concept. It is. It's, it's, the genius of it is its total simplicity. Instead of making it complicated, they made it very simple. Last yeah. person still moving wins. <laughs> well, why, Stefan... Do the Swedes appear to take to this? So we, we noticed you commented that 49 FKT routes in Sweden, in a, in a country of only 10 million people, and most of them are ultra distances. And then yeah. we noticed you have this amazing sport. I forgot how to pronounce it, but it's essentially island hopping, swimming and running. Yeah, swim run. Some swim run. And now the backyard ultras got on really big in Sweden. So what is it about the Swedes? I mean, is there <laughs> some strange genetic or cultural character that you all have? I I don't know. I think we're just uh, adventurous people. Uh, maybe it uh, sounds like a cliche, but uh, the Vikings, the, the 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 people of the north, as they called once upon a time, they were more or less adventurous people. And uh, maybe that came from this the scarcity of the resources that we have had up here. And if you want to have a better life, maybe you just have to go out and look for it. Hmm. That, wow. Right. And if also, you stay at home, it, not much might happen. You better go somewhere and look. Yeah, and maybe staying at home might not just be the best plan, right? <laughs> if you know what I mean. We had a, a huge emigration uh, in in Sweden in the uh, beginning of uh, 1900, where people were starving in this country. Oh, I didn't so know they, that. So they left Sweden, and uh, a lot of them uh, went to... Uh, to the U.S. Ah, uh, well, yes, and they've done well here, of course. And they didn't move to Florida; they <laughs> they moved <No>. to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, wow. So I think uh, partly maybe it's be, it's it's in our genes in some way, and also I think uh, of course we have had uh, very good role models uh, that has been uh, inspiring other people to to challenge themselves and uh, to try at least a little harder and especially in ultra running we have a lot of good uh, uh, inspirational people right. good role models really good role models wow that's that's an interesting point you have to go look for it i like that that's a good one-liner you could work for the tourism bureau uh but then we note that I can understand this because Sweden is north. Uh, we mentioned how I was asking you how cold the water was. You're at Stockholm is about 60 degrees north latitude, which is dramatically further north than anything in the lower 48 states of the United States. Mm. It's almost as far north as Anchorage, Alaska. And this is your capital city of the country. So you you got winter up there. Yeah, but uh, also if if you do that comparison and think that Sweden is Alaska, that's not really the case. Of course, we have winter here, but not really that kind of winters that they experience in Alaska, I think. But of course, we have uh, dark periods of, of the year here also, where if you're really up north, uh, far up north in Sweden, you you are uh, at the polar cir circle, and you barely have any daylight at all. Right, right. But wow. On the but on the other hand, during the summer period, there is nothing but daylight. <laughs> <laughs> so That's it's kind the of a, run. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an extreme. So if you want to to do a really long distance running in Sweden, going up north during the summer period is is very good because then you don't have to uh, carry the extra weight of a uh, headlight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. No reason to carry headlight in the summer in Sweden. Well, you that, I like this adventurous spirit. And so let's just digress for a second here. Obviously, there's a global pandemic. It's uh, severe. It's been in the headlines now for four straight months, and it's going to stay in the headlines throughout the year because, pardon me for noting this, there is no cure on the horizon. And so hmm. rather than some countries, are, of course, really how we're dealing with it is we're hiding from it, not exactly fighting it. We just hide from the virus. But it's still here. And until there's a, a reliable vaccination, it's going to be here. And different countries have dealt with this in different ways. In Sweden, in particular, they did not do a strict lockdown. They never did that. Instead, they kind of rolled with it, if I may say so. They kind of took the hit, and some people got sick, and some people died, but you did not shut down your economy. You were still mm. open for business. And so on one hand, there is more illness. On the other hand, there is less poverty and less uh, impact, negative impacts from the crushing the economy. So what does that look like to you? Is this, again, 
in the Swedish spirit, or is this a a cultural or a scientific decision? What would you tell us about that? Oh, that's a very tough question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if if I knew the answer, I would probably be uh, nominated for the Nobel Prize in some way. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Personally, I think it's a scientific decision. Maybe you just take another uh, route in terms of how you think about the spreading of this virus and the way that you can, uh, not controlling it, but in a way that you can at least have a good control over the risk risks involved and uh, since you said earlier our population is uh, is kind of concentrated uh, in a couple of big cities and in stockholm i think uh, the outbreak of the corona has been uh, uh, worst so and also it's been hitting the old people's care uh, especially right but i think it's it's more of a scientific decision that you you think that uh, it's, it's it's better to to see how the virus is spreading and then choose strategy accordingly so to say right and so because the country you, is yeah because if you just if you just lock everything down uh it's it's yeah i i don't think it's uh it's that simple right. you have to have more of a dynamic uh take on it right and so the population the people of sweden they've been generally comfortable with the solution with how it's been handled yeah i think so in general uh of course it it's been hitting the old people's care uh, pretty bad. So in, in that sense, a lot of people is, is not okay with it. Uh, but on the big picture, I think, uh, I think most, most people are, are fine with how the government and the uh, scientists are, are dealing with it. Good. Well, thanks for letting us know. And of course, uh, older people, that's uh, all over the world, that's been true. Uh, but interestingly enough, you could look at that in different ways as well, because in terms of health care costs, older retired people, which I am getting close to being myself, you know, they take from the economy. They're no longer contributors, and they have very, very high health care costs anyway. Interestingly enough, by far the biggest pandemic in the past uh, recent history is the 1918 so-called Spanish flu. Far, mm. far more people uh, as a percentage became ill and died. And that was immediately followed by the so-called roaring 20s, right? Right yeah. after that, the economy just burst. It just went crazy. People were out there getting after it. And I could just you know, offer very controversial, personal only thought. 
that in a way when the sick and the infirm die off, this is what happens in all of nature, animals, plants, trees, everything. That's what happens. The older and the diseased species, uh, individuals die off. And then the population, whether it's just a forest or a grassland, uh, produces itself with more vigor. And so that could be, this could be a fairly natural event that is taking place. Yeah, I mean, you never know. If you, if you look at the, the history of evolution for, for humans, there has been a lot of obstacles that we have been uh, forced to adapt to in different ways. And uh, in some ways, we have always been successful in adapting uh, in, in some way. But if you look at uh, just the recent uh, hundred or couple of hundred years, I think the there has been uh, kind of a, an explosion of uh, different diseases and uh, uh, and also the total population in in the world might contribute to that or the way that we produce food or the way we live the culture so right. uh, but i think you're right uh, it doesn't matter what what it, it is there will be something else down the line and we will probably adapt to that but right. if you look at uh, the broader picture today i think a more important pandemic uh <laughs> global pandemic that is not really discussed is the metabolic syndrome and uh, if you think of that as an adaptation to the modern world or the the modern cultural lifestyle that we have today it, it really scares me <laughs> mm -hmm. you're, you're referring to obesity yeah people are uh more or less sedentary and they are getting more and more obese and uh, the consequence of that is that uh, you develop more and more so-called autoimmune diseases right well in fact and, and literally and in fact uh, yeah, just just to interject literally in fact stefan the world health organization notes that um 2.8 million people die each year as a result of what you're describing, which is far, far more than the pandemic. Yeah, and no one talks about it. And uh, I think that uh, is uh, it's a dangerous situation because I think every individual needs to have a bit more uh, consciousness about their own well-being i'm not saying that you should be a health freak because that's not what it's all about it's just about being a bit more aware of your well-being wow taking, we could have a taking care, taking care of yourself right right interesting topic stefan we could have an entire podcast discussion easily on this very topic and i appreciate that in sweden you can have that conversation People can talk about that, a more holistic look at the situation. 
I think in the United States, that is a difficult topic to even discuss, let alone resolve. So mm. living in a country of 10 million people has some advantages. Yeah, maybe I don't think it's a, it's, it's a, a Swedish thing that it's okay to talk about it. I think it's more on a person-to-person level. Because mm. I don't see any, I don't see any discussions in the Swedish newspapers. I don't see any discussions on the Swedish television. So it's, I don't think it's part of our culture to talk about. Gotcha. Uh, so this is coming, this is coming is, a little more from you. Yeah, I think it's more on a personal note. And I think I share it with more people, a, a growing uh, number of people. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Maybe we'll get back to this in a future podcast, but for now, what can you tell me in particular about our main topic here, FKTs in Sweden? So if someone is going to Sweden, me, someone else, what should they do? What what would you recommend they go look at? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I am a person who like to be out in nature and to challenge myself so uh, of course I wouldn't recommend people to go to the big cities and go around shopping and uh, spending time uh, on the big shopping malls and sitting around in cafes I think you should take the opportunity to uh, experience our beautiful country, our beautiful coastlines, our beautiful archipelago or the highlands and uh, take the opportunity to visit some of our uh, uh, trails, hiking trails. Why don't uh, you challenge yourself by uh, uh, pursuing an FKT attempt while, while you're in Sweden? The opportunities are endless, limitless in that uh, sense, so to say. Right, and you probably don't even have to pronounce the name. That was a little joke. Sorry about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit slow, uh, I think. I've I've been uh, tra- training now for a two hundred mile race that is coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, I train a lot and trying to uh, uh, make my body adapt to little energy in food, and I think that has kind of take into my brain now <laughs> so you recommended getting out on the trails but which ones so could you call out a few that you would recommend that visitors uh visit i mean since i'm a big fan of uh, the northern part of our country i think you should take the opportunity to get out on the kungsleden the king's trail and there is another beautiful trail a bit uh, more up north than that called Pajelanta Trail. Okay. All right. It's just, it's just beautiful and, and crisp. You can drink the water out of the, the creeks. Oh, that's good. Nice. And your next project is a 200-kilometer race. So this is an official race or is this an FKT? It's a 200-mile race. Uh, last year, I went out on a FKT attempt on myself uh, between on, on the Swedish west coast 
between uh, Kungsbacka and Mölle. And uh, that was, I mean, it was very exciting. And the scenery on the coastline is so beautiful also. And uh, since I didn't make it last year, I uh, was pushing it to uh, a friend of mine that we need we need to offer this to uh, to everyone we need to make a, a race out of it and uh, the longest race a to b that we have in uh, have in sweden is uh, around 250 kilometers so this will be the longest a to b ultra race uh, once it gets on. And it is an official race. It is an official race. And uh, despite the uh, pandemic going on, the government have made uh, explicit rules for events like this. And we are following those rules as good as we can. So we are allowed to have races in Sweden despite the pandemic. Ah, and it's probably limited. You do wave start, so maybe yeah, 40 people go off at a time. That is what we are going to do in, in this race, yes. So how many people per wave, if I may ask? Uh, I don't know the exact details, but uh, on the 200-mile distance, there is around 75 runners. So it's gotcha. not uh, it, it's not difficult to spread them out. So to say. <laughs> I think we will have a wave of twenty five people. Gotcha. Yeah, that would be that makes perfect sense. After ten miles, well, you're pretty spread out. Yeah, they are all over the place anyway. So, right, that's about the number of people in a grocery store. <laughs> Okay, Stefan, well, this has been real exciting. You've told us a lot about Sweden. This is really interesting. I appreciate this. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, and, I mean, hopefully I will see you here someday, and uh, maybe we can go on, uh, go out on one of our beautiful trails. I like that idea. I have never been to any of the Scandinavian countries. I'm very remiss. So I'm going to give it a few more months, but next uh, next couple of years, maybe I'll take you up in your offer. Yeah, we just keep our fingers crossed that this uh, corona situation will uh, ease and, and leave us so we can start to, to travel again. That would, Definitely. That would be great. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks a lot, Buzz.